0: Blue wire.
1: Thank you, Bob Fires to the end zone. Touchdown!
0: Alabama wins! Elliot. dodges the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by Lawrence. A
0: lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's done.
1: Welcome into episode one sixty-five of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here with my co-host, Joshua Perry. And Joshua, we just had Memorial Day weekend and thank you all to um everybody who serves our country and obviously those who gave everything and, and did not get to come back. We we always, always thank. Our veterans and and those who sacrificed their lives for this country. I know Memorial Day weekend, whatever call you want to call it, Memorial Day is always uh, big on food and barbecue. I don't know if you're a guy that relishes this during this four day holiday, but are you like keen on anything specific when it comes to barbecuing?
0: Um, I mean, you know, I'm a food guy,
1: so yeah.
0: I haven't been able to really participate in uh some of the festivities because you know for sports media people there are no (laughs) holidays um right but if i was building if i was building the perfect uh barbecue plate you know you got to start off with uh you know hot dog maybe a couple of hot links off the grill uh some ribs maybe some brisket if you're feeling frisky Um, Mm -hmm. then you got to have the potato salad get you a pasta salad Uh, Some mac and cheese, the yellow bag of Lay's, just the classic chips. Oh, I love those. And then, of course, uh, you know you got to have you some high noons to drink. Um, You know, maybe maybe a little uh, lemonade, sweet tea, some Kool Aid, something nice to refresh you. Um, But that's where I'm at with it.
1: You're all out barbecue. Like if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Like, you're having a family reunion style. Yes. That's, oh, that's yeah. What no, that, we we yeah.
0: playing games out here.
1: That's what it sounded like. So, you're right, though, Joshua. And for those of you who listen, he is exactly right on the, the note that media people do not get holidays off for the most part. I mean, yeah, every now and then, we get to pick a holiday. But we're usually working or preparing for something. And so, you don't get that opportunity so what's funny is because I wanted to feel like okay, I was doing something eating a hot dog or a hamburger or something that everybody else was doing to make me feel somewhat normal, I actually uh door five guys last night. How oh, good
0: for that? you. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, you got to get it how you live though.
1: I know. I go, I got to be involved somehow in this, what everybody else is posting on the gram and stuff. So, I mean, I'm not posting five guys on the gram, but for my own self-satisfaction, Joshua, that's what I did.
0: Good for you. I, I, um, I have no problem with that. I, (laughs) if I wasn't on a diet right now, I probably would have ordered some barbecue from a restaurant on DoorDash myself. So I I'm totally with the
1: vibe. So you're okay. So you're like in specific food mode. You can, you can only eat certain things.
0: Yeah, had um, some air fried salmon and a
1: salad oh, last night for dinner. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I feel like it's time for a cleanse for me. So you might have just right, You got
0: to go me. through the phases.
1: <laughs> you really do. <laughs> uh, well, the days of our lives, the days of college football, continue this <laughs> summer. I grew up with my parents like watching soap operas, and this is exactly what college football is this summer. It's one big damn soap opera. I mean, we're not talking about the teams and what we expect to see. We're talking about the coaches, the drama, NIL, transfer portal, everything but the actual game right now. And hopefully, you know, when the season starts, we'll be getting to that stuff. But right before we taped our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were talking about Saban, but then right after that, Saban got in a little bit of a scuffle with Jimbo Fisher from Texas A&M, and this was everywhere. This was some of the best stuff we've seen in a long time when it comes to back and forth. Um, Saban accuses Texas A&M with the number one recruiting class of you know buying all their players. Jimbo comes back and demands a press conference and says, "Saban is a bad man and you don't even know half the stuff he's done." So I have to ask you, what did you think about this and who side are you taking here, Joshua?
0: All right, I mean it was real interesting drama. Obviously, there, uh, Saban was, and he's been like this a little bit more lately. He's been kind of out of character just in terms of how outspoken he's been, yeah, um, about a lot of these situations regarding transfer portal NIL. And I keep saying this and I don't think people are really listening. I think they think Saban is threatened and bitter that the uh, the power shifting in college football. I couldn't disagree more. Um, he, he made his comments about the portal and he's been like the number one portal recruiter. Really? Uh, he doesn't care if bottom end guys leave Alabama. He's not concerned that high school recruits aren't getting the same opportunities because of the portal. Like, he's going to go out there and build the best team. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's the same thing with name, image, and likeness. He was talking at an event that wasn't – there There were Alabama boosters in there, but it wasn't specifically for Alabama boosters. But there was a purpose to what he was saying, talking about, you know, if you spend the money, you can get the guys, and it's not going to be the same way as how he used to do it. Yeah. Um, but we can still do it. And so I think it's a warning shot for a lot of programs that don't have the resources that if they don't put some guardrails around it – um that they're gonna get drowned out. I think it was commentary because he mentioned Dion down there at Jackson State that um yeah money does talk. And I, I fully believe that had Travis Hunter not had some NIL deals in place um, you know, related to his attendance at Jackson State, that he probably wouldn't have gone there. Sure. Um, you know, that was that was an all time coup in terms of the number one overall recruit um going to a a, a small school um hbcu which i appreciate but at the same time like that just ain't happening um resources aren't the same the the uh the platform that they play on isn't the same and so you know you don't make that decision unless there's a a financial gain to be had from it so i'm i am all with saving on this 100 of the way the jimbo fisher side you know he comes out guns blazing he's like you know he 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 accused my uh, I mean, he he tried my character and he accused me of being a liar and all those things. I don't think he accused you of, of lying. Um you might have broken some state laws, but it's a wild west out there. So like I, I don't <laughs> think he's the only one who is doing it. And then for him to really like dig in and say that, you know, Saban's a bad guy and he thinks he's God and all of these other things. Well, you tell me because <clears throat> excuse me, there have been a lot of investigations at a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And none of them have been centered around Alabama and their recruiting practices. Um, and part of the reason why I think that Alabama was able to just get the best recruits every year is Saban's track record of sending dudes to the league and Saban's track record of winning championships. Um, and so Jimbo, if you know something that went on and you never said anything about it, you were complicit in the violation of rules. So maybe you just incriminated yourself in some wrongdoing that might've happened under your purview when you were at LSU with Saban as well um and other assistants had come out and talked about how crazy it was and how shocked they were and i don't know if that shock is because um nobody had ever tried to come at saving like that or they're shocked because they feel like it just wasn't a representation of what actually happened under some saving regimes at LSU and Alabama but here is what i did because you know i am a uh i'm a journalist now i don't i never studied journalism um, I don't play it by the, the J school rule book, but, um, you know, I know some people. And so in these situations, you got to go to people who are in it every day. So I talked to a handful of my contacts that were in coaching, uh, about mm-hmm. five guys. And the consensus was that there is no proof, but they all believe that, uh, Texas A&M paid for that class. One of, okay, one of my guys literally texted me back. I said, uh, you think. Uh, where are you at on the Saban Jimbo deal? You think A&M bought that class? He said, yes, based on what I heard, I have zero proof whether it's real or not. Um, he said, but there's no chance an eight and four team is recruiting that class. Yeah. And then yeah. I said, how do you guys deal with it? He says, ridiculous, damn near impossible to be honest. Zero rules in a game where ethics have been low to begin with. And I said, you think they can get this fixed? Or genie out the bottle? He said, out the bottle. Complete overhaul of rules and recruiting is yeah. where that's coming other guy i talked to uh he said that he thinks that the big timers at A and M paid for that class he said it's comical no one is clean anymore in the sec it just means more so he also believes that uh you know there's some some more of that going around down south specifically a and m nobody believes that they honestly recruited that class and then he said that uh he agrees with saban that these uh collectives are ridiculous so Saban is basically just saying what everybody else is talking about. When you boil it down, I know there are a lot of um, national media people who um, who are saying, you know, uh, Saban sounds bitter and kids are getting money. And, and this is uh, – and, and Jimbo kind of went here too. It's like this is a, an attack on the kids and, um, you know, it's anti-progress. And I don't believe that's where the heart of the comments are at. I don't think this is a commentary on young people whatsoever. Nick Saban himself – celebrated when Bryce Young got all that NIL money last summer before he had taken a snap as a starting quarterback. Now, this was a kid who was not going to jump in the transfer portal, nor was this a kid that they were actively recruiting. So this was, it seemed like, um, you know, companies betting on the track record of Alabama quarterbacks recently that this kid was going to be really damn good. Like Mac Jones the year before had a phenomenal year. A lot of people felt like Bryce Young was a more talented quarterback, whether he was going to have the polish that Mike Jones had was another question. But they were betting on this kid to be good, um, not trying to retain him and just giving him money. And so um, Saban is not anti-kids getting paid. He's not anti-progress. He is follow the damn rules. And so if the rules say that you cannot use NIL as an inducement to recruit a player if it says that the NIL deal that there is that they are offered cannot be contingent upon their attendance at a certain school, and if the rule says that interactions with boosters um, in a pay-for-play type of manner are still illegal, then Saban just wants everybody to be following the same rules. And right. it seems to me that he's been the most outspoken on this, but nobody else in college football actually believes that A&M honestly recruited that class after going eight and four a year ago. It just doesn't make any damn sense.
1: Well, no, especially when you still are looking at a program like Alabama, let's say a program like Georgia that just won the national championship, and they're still beneath Texas A&M, which right. was okay But, and yes, is in the SEC, but not one of the top caliber programs in the SEC and hasn't really been. And so why and how could they really get there all of a sudden? And that to me is why probably a lot of people are saying, yeah, this is likely what they did. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know I'm not on the phone, you know, with my my secret sources, knowing that that's what A&M did. But according to the people you've talked to from what I've heard down here in the sec, uh, because we're in the thick of it down here of sec country, it, it just seems like that is definitely something that probably happened. And Saban is a little bit more outspoken nowadays and decided that that's what he was going to do. And he went back and said, well, maybe I shouldn't have pointed specific people out. But at the same time, then we're just going to if this isn't being talked about publicly, then this kind of stuff is going to continue. But at some point, there has got to be somebody who's going to start reshuffling rules, putting new things out there, because right now, Joshua, I don't even know what the NCAA is doing because they're not really a part of anything. Right. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even think I've mentioned the NCAAs title in in one of our podcasts in the last four months because they're just not there
0: I think part of the issue for the NCAA is that there isn't national uh legislation
1: no, so it's hard right. for
0: them to enforce these rules like they could come down with sanctions what is your obligation to follow to actually participate in that and uh college football is very different from other sports like they they have more control over basically every other sport because they run the postseason. Yeah. So you look at college basketball, for example, and that's why all these teams get in trouble for recruiting violations and um, academic violations and uh, you know code of conduct stuff through the NCAA. Is they'll literally say like, dude, you you can't play in this postseason. Like we are in control of this. You're not getting an invite. Right. Um, whereas for college football, it's the CFP. Yep. And so in theory, you can have NCAA sanctions that try to ban you from the postseason. And like CFP has no obligation to listen to the NCAA in that regard. Um, And so that's why it's really difficult in what's going on right now. And so I think part of their problem was all these states were talking about this legislation that they were trying to push. And they had an obligation, not an obligation, an opportunity. To legitimately lobby Congress to get some national legislation ahead of it. Um, This is something they could have done years and years ago before this was even a big issue because they knew this was coming and they decided not to. And so um, it's a jackassery of the NCAA uh, in practice right now.
1: No, then you hit it the nail on the head right there because they had opportunities. They knew something like this was eventually going to happen. They sat back, didn't do anything about it. And then you know, all these schools, all these conferences were like, we have to move forward at some point. And so this is what I'm thinking. And I don't know how this happens, but I think the NCAA completely is taken out of the college football picture at some point, at least, you know, at the FBS level. And then they're like, have whatever the CFP or, you know, specific conferences that come together that decide to run everything. But there's not going to be, I don't think there's much more left for the NCAA to try to control college football moving forward. At some point, it's just got to be a change of regime in a in a way, right?
0: Yep, that's exactly what I think happens. I think college football becomes its own entity yeah. in terms of college athletics, um, and I think they just move from there and it becomes a little bit more of a hybrid um professional model in a way but i'm not exactly sure that the the current model as it stands is sustainable um it's been outdated for a little while and i yep. think now it's just like totally um apparent to people how bad it is
1: yeah it's so bad i don't even I, mean, I think people are so confused on what's going on so hopefully we explained a little bit more so you can understand that it's not just you it is an actual mess and it is actually confusing to know who's running what. So this weekend, they are going to have the SEC. Uh, they call them spring meetings. I don't know why they call them spring meetings when we've already hit the official start of summer. Uh, but they're down dust in Destin, Florida this year for the SEC. There can be a lot that is being talked about. Obviously, they're, they're adding, um, Texas and Oklahoma here soon. So that should be interesting. Um, and they're going to kind of figure out how they're going to set up everything. If they're going to split it up into, um, just divisions or keep it East and West, there's like a possible four division format that they're looking out going like North, South, East, and West. Um, I think I've seen stuff in the North. It would be like Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. The South would be LSU, Auburn. Old Miss in Mississippi State. The east would be Florida, Georgia, Missouri, and South Carolina, and then uh, of course the west with the new additions of Texas, Oklahoma, AM, and Arkansas. So that will all be um something that they talk about down here.
0: If you're if, 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 if these are the divisions. Um uh, if you're Missouri, you gotta be pissed I know, off, right?
1: I I was thinking about that. I knew you were gonna <laughs> say something about that. I was like, oh God, Missouri.
0: Like Just, geographically, does that even make sense either?
1: No, because really Missouri was, you know, such a, also a late add to the conference. At times, Joshua, I forget Missouri is in the SEC. Same. I really, I really do. It just, it, it, the, it doesn't make a ton of sense. No. And uh, I just don't think, I think they're the school that they always just plug in somewhere. (laughs) Jeez,
0: what a time to be alive.
1: I know. So, I am actually interested in if there's anything going to come out of Jimbo and Saban in some of the same meetings here in Destin. What's your bet on that we're going to hear some sort of drama come out of uh, these meetings down in Destin?
0: 90% chance. There's a 90% okay. chance we're okay. going to hear some reports of you know, something one way or another about this topic. Because NIL is one of the topics that they're going to have to address there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's been a, a topic everywhere, but within that conference, there's already been some drama. Um, they, you know, they're going to want to know what the best practices are and how they want to navigate that as a conference. Um, you know, that in, in addition to the transfer portal, um, where the NCAA comes into play is going to be big. You had mentioned the restructuring of the conference now that uh, Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. That's going to be big, but also there was this. Um, this idea thrown around last week that the sec could have its own playoff because the cfp is not expanding in the timeline that they like uh and so that becomes a really unique uh topic too is you know does the sec just do its own postseason for the next couple years and then maybe they have a uh, a game against whoever wins the other playoff to determine a national championship like that would be um, they could call their own shot on that because yeah. if we're being completely honest, it's the best conference in football uh, with the Big Ten right behind them. The The revenue from TV money absolutely shows that. The track record from yep. uh, who's made playoff appearances and won national titles as of late certainly shows that. So I think that they have the power and the leverage to be able to pull something like that off. And so I'll be curious to see how that conversation actually goes once they get there.
1: Yeah, and and they clearly have the... I don't know if you mentioned this just now, I might've just like not heard you, but the TV money too. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, the SEC network compared to, I mean, the Big Ten network does do a really good job, but the SEC network, because it's directly connected with ESPN on top of it, I mean, it just, it's constantly, you know, up there when it comes to the money that it brings in, because people are so crazy about football down here. Yep. And obviously other sports too. So it's, us, it's usually a thing where the SEC network is is cranking out content year round. Yep. Um, so it, it's very successful. Uh, I, Let's
0: talk about that for yeah, a sec because yeah. um, you're spot on. And like part of – the big part of it is the buy-in for football. Like the South, it's just – it's different. So you got that going. And uh, even the ACC is like really lagging behind. Yeah. Uh, geographically that conference is tough yep. uh, but the quality of football just it's not quite there um, and so you have mentioned that the baseball right now and you've got firsthand knowledge of how crazy that is but like that's a big deal it down is. south too with the sec like you know you get to cover one of the schools that's always in the mix yep. in college baseball in, in Vanderbilt so that's big but you flip it over to the big 10 the other one that you mentioned Um, Big 10 network does a good job directly connected with Fox and, you know, that Fox and ESPN are the big players in uh, football, both professionally and at the collegiate level. Um, And so the Big 10 conference is uh, making really good money. And then even for uh, some other sports, softball, um, you know, they just had lacrosse national title and Big 10 is a big lacrosse conference. Uh, Maryland just won the damn thing. Um, so, you know, like you're talking about year round buy-in it's big. And so as the sec starts to make these moves, I'm curious what the big 10 is going to want to do, um, as a reaction to it, because I think that the big 10 conference is also in a really good place in terms of their leverage and the quality of football, because you got Ohio state and Michigan, obviously the, the two programs anybody would want to have just historically. You throw in Penn State, Michigan State, uh, yep. Wisconsin, and Iowa in the mix, and you're doing really good there. And you look at the, the money in terms of revenues right now and also projected revenues. It's the SEC and the Big Ten that are going to be the top ones. You look at overall success of the conference and, and the profile of the games and the teams. It's the SEC and the Big Ten is right there, right behind them. Um, if you're the Big Ten, and they entered into that alliance with Pac-12 and the ACC, clearly got the upper hand in that alliance. And I know that's a, a gentleman's agreement, the handshake and all that. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm shaking a leg because this is a conference that also has a history of cutting edge. These conference networks originated with the Big Ten network. Exactly, um, right, and, right. And so this is a conference that has history of, um, of pushing the envelope. SEC is the same way. I mean, they were the originator of the conference championship game a while ago before other conferences were even thinking about doing it. Um, so you're looking at two cutting edge conferences. You're looking at the two conferences that have the best product. Um, if I'm the big 10, I'm watching the SEC start to make some of these moves. I'm like, okay, what's our next move going to be? I'm playing, I'm playing chess, not checkers.
1: Yeah, no, that's great points that you, uh, bring up there. And, and it makes me even more angry and I guess confused with why the PAC 12 just cannot figure anything out. Like, I don't even know, Joshua, I read an article, (laughs) (laughs) that they are completely, they're, they're leaving San Francisco. So they're like packing up their studio. I don't know what they're planning on doing. Well, they had to get out. I mean, the rent had to be ridiculous. Yeah. It had to have been nuts, but I heard that they're like doing all this remote stuff. I mean, it is an absolute disaster.
0: I think you are probably the most passionate person about PAC 12 athletics, like even more passionate than people that work at the conference office, the way that you come on the show.
1: I know, because I bring it up. It it bothers
0: you more than it bothers anybody else.
1: It it does bother me because I am a Pac-12, you know, grad and I have seen it just completely go downhill in a lot of ways. But then when you have an opportunity to bring on something like the Pac-12 network and, and kind of do it the right way, they never did it the right way. They never tried to fix it. And then you see all these other, you know, Big Ten, SEC network, flourishing, and you you decide you still don't know what you're doing. It just it's, it drives me absolutely insane, Joshua. Have and, you
0: seen the uh, the Pac-12? Like you you've watched their uh, oh, shows, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is you know I'm I'm not trying to to burn any bridges or to to talk out of turn here, but like.
1: Oh, we can do what we want. This is our podcast.
0: I mean, it it, it, it doesn't look like <laughs> the rest of the networks. No, um, in terms of their production, I know it's tough. Like part of, I think part of the the biggest problem for that network specifically is um, two things: is the inventory that they wanted to carry because they wanted to do right by the the member schools and the athletes, and that is the Conference of Champions. Mm-hmm. And so they've got every damn sport and they wanted to carry it. But inside of basically what is like a, a big old regional network is they had a bunch of smaller um, networks so they could produce all of the shows right. for all the sports for each region. And so you've got, you know, you've got the LA schools and you've got the North California schools, you got, um, you know, the Washingtons and the Oregons of the world, and then you go all the way down to the Arizonas. Um, and it's like, there's so much that they had to make work. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously everybody's got financial constraints um, put on top of that. Like, I'm sure their rent was ridiculous over there in uh, San Francisco, but also like, you know, the look of their studio didn't look like some of the other studios. was just, it was a whole thing. Uh, It was a whole thing. And I feel like that is a little bit of a, uh, a balance to get one of those right uh, because of all the obligations that you do have. But Like, even as – and I think the thing that Big Ten Network and the SEC Network do is they raise the profile of all their schools. And it's it's literally a safe place for the conference members to to have their games broadcast and for the talent to discuss the teams. Um, And I I feel like Pac-12 bit off a lot more than they could chew in that venture.
1: Yeah. And I just – like I said, I don't know where they're headed. They've got a new commissioner, obviously. But I just don't think that there's been a lot even discussed about how they're going to try to fix any of that. So, well, I'm for sure... your
0: sake, the, you better hope that USC can fix a lot of these problems. Well, that's what I'm Lincoln saying. Riley's out there doing his thing. But that, I know. I mean, he's got to win those games or else this thing is all bad.
1: Exactly. So I guess I'll probably be bringing this up another 18 times during next season so because I'm sure nothing <laughs> will change. Uh um, one more thing I have to just I want your I want your take on this ridiculous story that I read. So the title was College Football Fans Furious with SEC Commissioner this past Sunday. I guess Greg Sankey uh came out and was talking about the whole thing with why Fans have not gotten NCAA football from EA Sports in the last couple of years, and he pretty much said, "Let me read it word for word." Forget whether NCAA video games come back; that is not the top of my priority list right now. This was Greg Sankey, and now he is. Um, it's said that he's declaring war on the people. This wow. is what. This is what people with all the stuff that's going on with college football and Greg Sankey is a phenomenal commissioner, by the way, let me just say that, um, I've spoken with him one-on-one. Uh, he took time out during the pandemic to, to talk with me and he's done really some amazing things for the sec. Um, I could not believe this hilarious headline and people are legitimately attacking him on Twitter.
0: Yeah, no shock there. Um, <laughs> Here's the here's the thing. I don't people.
1: do video, so I don't really know. Yeah, I don't do video yeah, games. I'm,
0: you know? I'm not a video game person either. But here's here's the thing when it comes to that game. Um, I'm sure it's a, a drop in the bucket in terms of what the conferences stand to make on it. Um I don't even know what their uh, their structure is gonna be now the is a deal and, and these kids are not just gonna want their likeness in a video game without getting a royalty check mm-hmm. like they do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um listen, this dude is thinking about how they're going to handle NIL. He's thinking about the transfer portal. He's working on conference expansion. They're talking about having their own playoff go on. He's got so many things on his plate. He can't worry about no damn video game that he's not going to play. Like, I don't know why people are mad at him. He's not the enemy in this. Um, he's just keeping it real. Like, you'd much rather have really good games on Saturdays in, in a system that makes a little sense down the SEC rather than a freaking video game. So calm down, people. Jeez.
1: There was this one tweet that said, "Who's trying harder to get fired, Doc Rivers or Greg Sankey?" I was like, "Did this? Did someone actually say that and tweet that? Because that might have been the dumbest thing." It is a real tweet. It's a stupid. It is a real tweet. Actually, it is a tweet with a blue check mark. Oh boy! By the name of Colin Sherwin. College mm. sports editor at DK Live.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure that Sinky He's only uh, got
1: four thousand followers, so
0: his his job security is threatened at yeah, all by not, his comments about that little video game.
1: Yeah, not not really thinking that was probably a tweet that made any sense, but anyway. No. Um well that does it for this episode of Press Pass. And if you want to go follow any of us, you can surely do that on social media platforms. Uh Joshua Worth. Can the fine people go to follow you?
0: You can go to at RIP underscore JEP on Twitter and Instagram uh, to give me a follow.
1: You can find me at Kaylee Anderson TV on both Instagram and Twitter. We are always uh, tweeting interesting things. Joshua, sometimes I know he's busy nowadays, but sometimes he'll get into a, a, a Twitter conversation with the peeps. And I will too if you test my buttons. I definitely will. It depends. <laughs> I try to keep calm on Twitter because it, it's a professional thing that's tied to what I do uh, here in Nashville as a sports broadcaster. But sometimes I will get, I will go at you if if I disagree with something. So definitely come and find us. And if you are not subscribed to Press Pass, please do that. Uh, you can subscribe on anything, any way that you get your podcast. Um, we again appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll be back for an- another episode of Press Pass very soon.